the Hallmark Hall of Shame. All aboard. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's Christmas. <laughs> We're in it. Uh, I'm your host, Elena. And I'm Elena's friend, Jen. <laughs> And we're here with our other friend, Chris Simmons. Hello. Hi, Chris. Thank you for letting me climb on. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for boarding the train (laughs) to Hallmark Town. Great. Uh, Chris is a a local stand-up comedian here in Chicago. Um, And we met because we performed together. And Janet was in the audience. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want her on this podcast. We talked talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we just watched The Christmas Train. Sure did. And it was excellent, I thought. <laughs> it was. It was good quality. It was a good quality romance, a good quality Christmas theme, uh, a good quality setting. It hit all the right notes. It had people we'd heard of. Yeah. And it was... I don't know what this means, but it was a Hallmark Hall of Fame presentation, which I think just meant like it had a different production company and obviously mm-hmm. a bigger budget. This movie probably cost as much as the other 30 combined. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hallmark Hall of Fame movies from my childhood were incredibly well done. Like mm-hmm. Sarah Plain and Tall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like Glenn Close. Yeah. Like those Hall of Fame movies mm-hmm. are like for real. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So I think they're like, mm, we're we're setting this Christmas up, this Christmas film up into that better caliber. Yeah. We're really. And this did air this Saturday after Thanksgiving, which mm-hmm. is sort of like the, it's it's a prime spot yeah. for Christmas. Yeah. People all viewing. have their emotional hangovers from being yeah. home. <laughs> they need some brain candy to like <laughs> yeah. soothe the soul. I I agreed that this was better pr- production value. Um, but the ending of it was so dissatisfying to me. Yeah. So that, that is rough. I feel like we had a better journey on the train than how it all ended. But. Well, as we learned tonight, it's all about the journey and not the destination, (laughs) which is good because the destination was very boring. (laughs) (laughs) Well, predictable. I think we should pause and give a little description. Um. However, the one on IMDb, IMDb is a terrible description because <laughs> it just says basically a man took a train. Um, so coming up with our own, guys, here we go. <laughs> uh, a reporter in Washington, D.C. decides to take a four-day train trip to L.A. Mm-hmm. to see his on-and-off-again girlfriend who's a voiceover actor for a cartoon. And kind of terribly mean on the phone. Yes. (laughs) Repeatedly. Ends the call without saying goodbye. Ugh. Always. Disgusting. But his secondary purpose in taking the train rather than just flying to be with her is that he writes stories now that some describe as puff pieces and he wants to do a story about this particular train, the Christmas train. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And I just want to pause and say how we are introduced to the fact that he writes puff pieces. <laughs> yes. Because it's so wonderful. Sweet. Um, within that very first scene of him dropping off his plant for his neighbor to take care of, she says, I really enjoyed your article on sofas for Ladies Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> Was it Ladies Weekly? Yes. Yeah. Ladies Weekly. Down. And also, I'm trying to picture, guys, what is an article on sofas you would enjoy? Uh, I would, I would, I would enjoy, I think I would enjoy an article on sofas. Okay, but what's that thesis? Like, what's the, what, what drives there harm article? There are so many kinds of sofas out there. There really are. When you think of all the styles and, oh, you're right. You've I can't describe, no, you've described a catalog. Earlier yeah. this year, there was a, a article about, um, the sofa from... Was it Wayfair? Or some, like, online furniture store. Okay. um, That was a piece of garbage. And this one girl bought it. And then it, like, fell apart, basically. And then she started talking to other people. And they were like, oh, I bought that sofa. 
and it fell apart. And because this one online store, I think it was Wayfair, doesn't have online reviews, like nobody knew it. Uh, <laughs> and so then she wrote this like expose on this one sofa. A because there's like <laughs> they always they're always advertising it on Facebook. Maybe it was Joybird. I yeah, just can't I remember. See a lot of Wayfair but anyway, it, to the point where, and then the sofa article went viral. And then the company offered to refund everybody who bought the sofa. Wow. And then they stopped selling it. The power of a story I mean, that was <laughs> That was some sofa journalism. Okay. There you go, Elena. They so exist. there's that. Okay, but, but I, I feel don't like that is an article about a sofa as opposed to an article about sofas. Right. Okay. You're, no. And I, but I agree that that is, that is the interesting one. If it's the, like expose about a company that's taking advantage of customers yeah. okay yeah um but i don't know that i would have also say that's a puff piece this seems to be like he reviews memory foam pillows was also mentioned at one point yeah pros and cons yeah <laughs> uh, anyway he used to be a war correspondent we found out later so this is a big departure for him he's on the train who else is on the train uh, Danny Just Glover. A lovable bunch of ragtag characters. <laughs> yes. They're all over the place. Danny Glover is a uh, movie director who has brought along his pal, <laughs> played by Kimberly Williams Paisley, who he wants to write a script for his next movie. That takes place on a train. That takes place on a train. Mm-hmm. So she meets him in D.C. to ride out back to L.A. with him. Um, surprise, Dylan Mulroney's character and Kimberly Williams Paisley's character were former war correspondents together and in a six-year relationship. And their relationship ended on a train. Anyway, on this train we have a bunch of other ragtag characters as well, but the four-day trip is about these two falling in love again. Right. There's also a couple that is going to be getting married on the train, who's like, family doesn't approve, and we get to see their wedding that uh, the movie producer or movie director officiates. We also have um, an old lady who's very nosy. Not that old. Not that old, but it's her John name Kuzak. Is, is Agnes. I feel like she was supposed to be older. Well, yeah. But Agnes, I don't know. Agnes does seem like an Agatha Christie character, yeah. That, that is nosy and knows things about everyone else. But yeah. she was delightful. We also had a psychic. We also had um, an old man who had a hard time starting a book, whose wife had passed away a couple months earlier. Um, we had an old train conductor who kept looking at the weather mm-hmm. outside the window in case things went down. He's retired, but he missed his job. Yeah. He missed being a conductor. Mm-hmm. We have the train... Uh, get stuck at one point, and these two lovebirds have to go out and find love again as they try and track down someone to help the train. Um, and at the very end of the movie, here comes the spoiler, we find out that the entire ride had been scripted by the movie director in an attempt to get these two to fall in love. Yeah, back in sort love. of. There were four people in on it. Yes. Who and he had like hired to be on the train, who had scripts and to yeah, yeah, yes. It was all a, a way to get Dermot Mulroney and Kimberly Williams back together. The reason that I really hated the ending is because it's one of those endings where then those six characters stand in a circle and explain what just happened. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, we're not really engaged, but we love each other now. Oh, and me? I was just here to, so you would break up with me. It's just like, and they literally like walked on and then like stated, and I, and Max hired me to do this thing. And it was just like, I felt like I was watching a middle school play. I was just going to say that, like a high school play. And then, yeah. (laughs) But other than that, I really liked it. I mean, it's a good premise, like. As far as there's a small group of people, mm-hmm. it's it's like a closed door rom com. 
mm-hmm. or instead of solving a mystery, they're all just super invested in each other's personal lives. However, you say that this was based, and I saw in the credits, it is based on a book by David Baldacci. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind of books he writes, you said, were thrillers? Yeah, he usually writes um, mysteries. So I wonder if they took the theft storyline out of the book. I'm kind of, I'm wondering what parts of his book uh, stayed in this movie. (laughs) Or what what would he have written, like, do you think he wrote the director designing the whole storyline? Do you think he did the thing about there being a thief on the train? Uh, I think so, because there is, like, this whole cottage industry of writers um, putting out one Christmas novel a year, Mm -hmm. and they're usually, like, 120 pages long. Something I uh, thought was really fun, though, was how immediately everyone was up in each other's business. Yeah. And that's not accurate of necessarily, like, train culture, but it is something where I'm like, oh, Elena would get along with all of these people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hello, tell me all of your life stories Well, who would secrets. you be? Would you be Agnes, then? Is that it? Or would I you be the psychic? I don't think that. Okay. Oh, definitely the psychic. Okay. I would... <laughs> You'd be observing <laughs> and intuiting and yeah. predicting. You agree, um, Janet? Would she be the psychic? I agree. Okay. If I were a Harry Potter character, I would be the Sorting Hat. I know this. Okay. All right. That's good to know. If I were yeah. on this train, um, maybe I would be the really mean chess guy, <laughs> <laughs> trying to humiliate everyone. That, no, yeah. no, that, no. I would not be character. that. There is a chess hustler on the train. Who what just bothered me? Plays yes. chess with people and then like brags to their face about how quickly he beats them. Well, just a hustler implies he's making money off. Why yeah. there's like <laughs> a line not. of people to play with him. I, and then they're just there to cheer. My girl Agnes like hates hates him, and she just stands there and scowls while <laughs> while he plays people. Yeah, Agnes is all of our girls. And this was my <laughs> I so. Love her. Joan Cusack and Danny Glover were having a great time. They really were. Yeah, they really like, were. They were just like, I will do this job. I will take this money. I'm just going to like have a ton of fun with it. And then Dermot and Kimberly were, I found to be just very perplexing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about their performances? Um, I think, I mean, I think they were fine for the script that they were given. I don't think that, you're right, I don't think they were having fun with it. I also don't yeah. think that, I don't think they overplayed the sadness of it, which I'm glad about. So, this is interesting, because, like, normally with Hallmark movies, or frequently, mm-hmm. it's, like, actors who, like, basically, like, can't, break in to like more mainstream movies um i think that's fair to say maybe people who've only ever been on tv yeah lots of canadians um and so (laughs) it was it's all kind of like yeah like the writing's not great the acting's not great so it's so interesting to see dermot mulroney who i'm like accustomed to seeing in well-written movies like Mm -hmm. how it translates to this Mm -hmm. Because there were some scenes where I just thought he was awful. Hmm. But then other scenes where I was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he just looks normal like mm-hmm. he always does. But I'd say like in every third scene, he <clears throat> acted like he was talking to children. Like he was just very like... He was almost like talking a little bit slower. Yeah. And I think part of it was so... Because he's the journalist, and part of it is, like, he's sort of going around and talking to everybody on the train and, like, asking Mm -hmm. them questions. And so I think maybe it was his, like, journalist inquisitiveness that he was trying to play, but it was so weird. Because, like, he would go, people be like, hi, what do you do? Oh, that sounds neat. It was just like, uh, (laughs) is that how you talk to people? And at one point, the fake couple is having a fight... And he walks up to them, but stays, like, seven feet away. Like, not a normal distance mm-hmm. that anybody stands from two people they're talking to. Walks up to them while they're fighting. He goes, hey, 
what's wrong? <laughs> it's like, uh, don't, they don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> Why aren't you politely pretending nothing's going on and walking yeah. past and giving them and a semblance of privacy? Yeah, and that's when they're one of like their station stops. So he walks up to them like at a train station. Not even like, oh, we're all in the dining car. I overheard your fight. He mm. like just approaches their fight and it's like, Hey, is something wrong? It's like, um, yes. Dermot. <laughs> we're fighting. Yeah, I wonder if, if with his performance in any partic- in particular that's where we could see the flaws in the script because it couldn't convincingly pull off some of the dialogue. Uh, whereas it was less noticeable with, with the other actors. Yeah. Well, like Danny Glover and Joan Cusack were just kind of like hamming it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Danny and Glover did not have great lines either. Not sophisticated lines, not yeah. complex lines. But he lines. also didn't have to be believable. But yeah, yeah, and he's all. sort of like a caricature, like he's a, a very much a fairy godfather, yeah. magical black man character mm-hmm. in a way that he's orchestrating everything. Yeah, Christmas is magical. <laughs> magical Everybody kept happen. saying it'll all come out on the train. It's the Christmas train, yeah, like it's like they happen on the Christmas train. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would be terrified in that if I was boarding that train and everyone's like. All your shit's going to come out I would have loved it if at the very end, when they're all getting off the train, like, somebody emerges from a compartment that we've never seen before, and it's just, like, has their headphones, and it's just like, I've just been watching DVDs this whole time. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. Ra- <laughs> talk to you, randos. <laughs> yeah. Christmas train as a way of turning strangers into family... Guys, I love that. But then also at the end, so they they do get stranded in the Rockies Mm -hmm. and on Christmas Eve. And so they all take the presents that they had packed for their loved ones that they were en route to visit and gave them to each other. Yeah. Yeah. That stressed me out a lot because I'm like, is everybody getting a present? Yeah. What's the system here? Are you just like... And is this man going to give a, honestly going to give away his dead wife's necklace? Yeah. That's That's, it will mean not even 5% of what it means to you. He didn't even give it away. Else. He just hung it on the tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had issues with that choice, Yeah, which I actively voiced yeah. at the yeah. time. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't. Way inappropriate. No. But I was no. like, it, somebody on that train's not getting a present. Mm-hmm. And that's really mean. And this is, this is nobody, everybody put your presents away. Yeah, I think we should just... Um, and actually, the fact that they were all like, well, let's give away our presents, to me made it seem like the situation was actually much more dire than it was, because they yeah. were stopped on the tracks. Oh, yeah. So, it, to me, it felt like, guys, we're not going to say it out loud, but this could be our last Christmas. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Get let's those, get those gifts this. out. Yeah. Because yeah. tomorrow, we're eating someone on this train. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, (laughs) it's our last night, so let's all exchange scarves and picture frames. Like, that's what we want to be doing. I did did not feel, (laughs) I really did not feel the urgency or the danger of this this conflict. I I really didn't worry they were going to have to eat each other. I I wish I had. I mean, I feel like the... Higher stakes or... I feel like the higher stakes would have made the final Christmas more... More touching. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. would have made it more like, oh, they really should go snowshoeing with their L.A. snowshoes. Why are they bringing snowshoes to L.A.? Yeah. Why? Yeah. And she had them with her? Two pairs. So she flew with them from L.A. to D.C. <laughs> to bring them on the train? Yeah, two, two pairs. pairs of snowshoes. Two pairs. And Maybe. a lot oh, of, like, okay. snow gear. Yeah. Okay, um, so we... Yeah, it's because even yeah. at one point they're like, okay, like, the train is stopped. They, we're all going to move into the... The dining car and the lounge car to conserve energy, electricity. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, well, the gener- generators are running off the diesel engine. And Dermot Morrowney does say, like, once we're out of fuel, we'll be out of power. But it would have been much more dramatic if, like, the lights had started flickering or right. the lights went out. Instead of just being right. like, it's likely that we'll lose power soon, so we're going to 
venture into the Rockies to try to find help, but then stop to make out in the trees. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the way. Her beautiful yeah. hair was not covered. Oh, that hair. Her ears were not covered in the snow. Yeah, I think that's one thing that all of us Chicagoans will always be angry about, is like the lack of winter gear. Inadequately dressed. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I have a coworker who um, grew up in Arizona, and so never had to wear winter apparel, mm-hmm. and then came to, um, or no, she went to Nebraska for college, and she said she'd only ever seen people wearing winter accessories, like on the Gilmore Girls, uh-huh. where they don't <laughs> tie their scarves properly. Like, this is a pet peeve of mine in all film and TV, but the Gilmore Girls is egregious. Like, they're always wearing scarves, but they're just sort of dangling. And so she was like, that's how I wore my scarves. And then I was always cold until one of her <laughs> classmates one day was just like, why don't you, what are you doing with this scarf? Like, wrap it around your neck. And Actually then you wear it. And then they helped her wrap it. And she was like, oh, <laughs> what a revelation. <laughs> it warms up my whole body. So these films do harm people. But I, yeah, I had a similar learning curve going from Oregon to yeah. Minnesota yeah. to college. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's a completely different climate and experience. And right. I thought scarves were fashion. I had no idea they were necessity. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. Well, I think I we had a Indiana. good time in this film, not just criticizing their clothing, but, um, you know, the little side stories that were going on, trying to figure out what, you know, who the thief might be when things were disappearing. I think we had a good time with the little, little? Well, yeah. Um, just so y'all know, I called that thief. You did? From go. You did. And I made it better because I wanted the thief to, he's always carrying a book. I wanted it to be a hollow book where he was stashing everything. Yes, that would have been ideal. We did see it open once or twice, though. Yeah, but it would have been a couple pages in. I still had hope that they were going to hold on to that. Yeah. I don't think that exists. Um, but I I'm currently up making a holiday book <laughs> at home, and I've completely failed at it, but I do know that you start a little bit into the book oh, okay. before you follow. Oh, okay. So yeah, did we explain that there's a thief on the train? No, and we also didn't explain that there's a train marshal. Oh my gosh. That well, we was that know. was my favorite reveal. Yeah, for yeah. sure. We didn't know there that was a train marshal until the yeah. very end. So people people are little things are going missing. The, the whole ride. Things. The dumbest things. A pen, sunglasses, sunglasses, earrings, a charm blade, a, a toy train. <laughs> but the wedding bands. Oh yeah, and some couple. legit wedding rings. <laughs> So Maybe. there's that. And so we were trying to guess the whole time who was stealing this weird stuff. And I mm-hmm. thought it was the fake wedding couple. Uh, the couple getting married on Christmas Eve. I did not believe they were for real. Well, you called that. So I was that. half right. Yeah. Half right. Because they were actors. Who Hired by our, our famous director. This director Max has Max Powers. Had, Max Powers has had, they said, all these successful blockbuster hits. Um... So I guess he knows movies. So his his Christmas train script <laughs> that he wrote uh, yeah. sounds real good. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I thought it was so funny though that all the male characters, save the newlywed, had a first and last name, and all the females just had a first name. So we had hmm. Max Max Powers and Tom Langdon and John Kelly, That's but the true. women were just Ellie. Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,Lalea,
Christmas train. Could happen on the Christmas train. It's like, but this is the Christmas train. It's like, is this a official train? Like the Santa train in Chicago? It's like, it's just the one that arrives in LA on Christmas. Mm -hmm. But they all act like it's something, it's like a destination train. Right. Like Agnes takes the Christmas train every year. Mm -hmm. Turns out it's because she's a train marshal <laughs> who solves right. crimes. But she makes it sound like she does it because she just loves it. She so just much. loves it. She just, she just loves has to be to part of it. Decorate her lonely, lonely Agnes. Oh, I just loved Agnes so yeah. much. Mm-hmm. But I did start she, to get uncomfortable when she would be alone looking out the window by her, by herself. But I think she was just yeah. putting putting the clues together. Cause she <laughs> she had the best reaction shots. Like anytime something happened, I mean, we've all seen Joan Cusack's face. Um, So yeah, every scene had had great Joan Cusack faces in the background. Yeah, yeah, she did. She was the best dancer at the wedding. Oh my god, she she had it all. (laughs) That is a favorite moment of mine. I just want to know. It just seemed kind of apropos of nothing. She's going to dance wacky. She just started jumping while slow dancing. Yeah, (laughs) and I. Could not get enough of it. Yep. She likes first. She like squatted down and then she jumped up. Uh huh. No, all while not letting go of Dermot Moroni's hands. Yes. It was like, has she not danced before or ever seen dancing? Like it. It looked like a small child at a wedding who was I, like, oh, yeah. I'm just gonna move. They her probably up. had to rein her in it as an actress. So they probably funny. had to say, Joan, Joan. It's not really about you. We'll let you do a little <laughs> bit of wacky dancing, but but really. I wonder if she even knew they were filming. It was so such a bizarre <laughs> yeah. character choice. And they're like, yeah. well, let's leave it in. No one will notice. We're like, She's the wacky one. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> this weird jump dance that she does. And then right after that, they tango. Just oh, for yes. like a brief That's second. Right. right. Oh, Agnes, you delight me. <laughs> There's a moment where... Uh, Ellie says to what's his face the main character Tom Tom she's like I think you like Agnes and he goes I think she's the most irritating person I've ever met and I do like her it's like (laughs) I don't think she's irritating at all she's a joy yeah maybe just because Joan Cusack could you couldn't make her irritating yeah and she's supposed to be nosy because she's a marshal yeah but yeah they definitely make her like the little old lady who's going to get up in your business. But she's not. Yeah, old. I'm still feeling real uncomfortable with She looks very, lady. she had a very glamorous looking scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's Julia Roberts' best friend in a couple of different movies, or at least one. She's my she's age, you guys. She's we're not, not gonna, a little old lady. We are not going to call her a little old lady. We're not, no. but I think that that's what they, they did wanted have the her character hair, to be. Yes, they had her hair drawn back in a severe style, so her face was all bones and planes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, so. I'm, I'm trying to say like that they wrote the character to be. Oh, okay, I, a, a I appreciate that. Lady. Nice, that's generous backtracking. Thank you. No, I, I, I'm <laughs> yes. genuinely trying to communicate this. No, I know. I they know. have written a character like she can, she plays this nosy lady who big reveal is that she's a train marshal. Yeah, and I think that they want you to be like real sad about her life and this like I am lonely. My son doesn't talk to me. Big reveal. I'm rad at my job. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm still contributing to society. It's, both things are true, though. She was sad about. Yeah, that. she did. Mm-hmm. She didn't talk to her son. Just, 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 yeah, yeah. But yeah, she's carved out an existence that I think she likes. One time in like <laughs> high school, mm-hmm. we were playing that game of like who would play all of us in a movie, mm-hmm. and I Joan Cusack was cast as hmm. me, nice. and I did uh, not know how to take that, and I, I still don't. <laughs> I had a similar situation in college. All of us girls going around on this, like, fancy dessert night out. Mm-hmm. Oh, you would be played by Julia Roberts. And we're all like, it's not looks, it's just, uh, <laughs> just character trait. Guys, they gave me Jack Black. <laughs> Jack Black. Yeah. Were you the only one they did the cross-gender for? Yep. Everyone what? else got a <laughs> real lovely leading lady. Wow. And they gave me Jack Black, and I was like, say what? What? 
Um, and then someone goes, oh, maybe we should give Elaine a different one. And then they gave me <laughs> Megan Mullally, which... Oh, that's very cool. Yes, please. Yeah, but I think it was their apology. They're like, uh, Angeline Jolie. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Yeah. Wow. Come to think I of mean, it. wow. Yeah. Are you just that much more wackadoo than any of your friends? <laughs> yeah. That they had to pick the most outrageous person they could pick. Well, you just like <laughs> don't know of any like comedians. Right. They're like, what's a funny person? Who's a funny Who's person? Funny? Oh, <laughs> See, it, it's so terrible funny. because I'm excellent at that game. I'm listening. But I've had to take myself years. out of the ring because somebody always gets mad. That's true. Yeah. Like we've, I've done it in like several groups, like my book club, my coworkers, like rant mm-hmm. all kinds of different spheres of life. I've done it, and somebody gets mad, and you never know who it's gonna be. I'll just so you know, it's probably the person who you've just told that they'd be Jack Black. <laughs> I don't think I've ever. <laughs> well, um, if if we were on the Christmas train, um. You would be the psychic. Who would you be, Janet, if you I were... mean, I guess Joan Cusack. Can you be nosy like that? I... I'm picturing you doing the jump dances and all those Yeah, I could definitely dance like that. Um, <laughs> would you ask people nosy questions? I, like... wanna, I don't ask nosy questions, but I mm-hmm. notice a lot of things. Okay. So you would notice that things were going on between the yes. two ex-lovers. So, yeah. <laughs> and um, on it. But really, I just don't know who else I would be. Mm-hmm. Like Higgins. Who, well, want, yeah, yeah, maybe I would be John. Well, no, not John Kelly because he can't read a book. Um, <laughs> maybe I'd be Tom Langdon. Doing all these interviews. I think Dermot Mulroney brought his own clothes. He what? looked. He looked good. Oh, not he the, did, but he did he tuck all his shirts in? I feel like all his shirts were tucked in. <laughs> not not into the tuck. <laughs> no, it just seemed like an odd choice to be so very tucked in. Everybody on this train it was scrubbed up fantastic. for Christmas. That's true. That's true. Everybody was in their nice dinner clothes. Kimberly Williams yeah. and no shade, but like she was heavily made up at all times. Yeah, that's true, guys. That's and true. I understand. That when I rode the train, I peeped my guts out ninety percent of the time, <laughs> but that's not how I arrived at any of my destinations. Yeah. I, even, even on the good leg of the train. Yeah. Oh, you look around at your fellow passengers on real trains. They've all taken their shoes off. Yeah. They're propping their feet up on everything. Uh, They're just like, so relaxed. Yeah, the just barracks. Think, What's wrong? Aren't you right. people aren't even human anymore? What happened? You're not even sitting up and being. I feel like people are, like, actively trying to discourage interaction yeah. by how slovenly they are. Yeah. yeah. True. There's one There's one moment where you don't, where you do interact, and that is in the dining car. Because in order to eat dinner, you have to, like, put in your name, mm-hmm. and then they assign you to a table with strangers, mm-hmm. unless you have, like, a full table's worth of people that right. you're traveling with. So that was always fun to meet the people you were dining with. Yeah. Um, but that really are, those are the only people. Yeah. And, you and know, I you know, actively I try and talk to strangers. <laughs> so I don't I even talk do to it. those people. You don't even talk to those people? No. But then how will you meet the father and son who have biked over states and are now training back? Yeah, pass. Um, when I take the train by myself, I don't go into the dining car. Yeah. And then, like, when I took the train with my friend Corinne down to New Orleans, we went to the dining car and just, like, sat across the table from two people who were there together, and we just didn't talk. Like, Corinne and I talked. They talked. We did not interact. Hmm. That's a life I don't live. <laughs> I might it's be my more whole likely. life. <laughs> The meal, you know, is going to end. You're not going to be trapped with this person. That's true. Unlike if you're in one of the seats mm-hmm. and you have a seatmate, yeah. you might feel more protective of your, oh, don't think I want to converse all the time. Mm-hmm. More protective of your space. If we're going to be on here for four days, so that you, you know, we did see on this train that there were people who just had normal seats. Just, yeah. And there, and there were some people who had... We saw first, second, and third class on this train. We saw second class 
where you have just the booth to sleep in and the curtains you draw across. When we saw the engaged couple, we saw them sitting underneath some of those sleeping compartments. Mm -hmm. And then later, we saw that there were places that just had the seats. Um, so that would be your yeah. third class seats. And then, then it was our Hollywood friends and our writer who all had the giant salon rooms. We Never. didn't even have to see their bedclothes you know, because they were always <laughs> bed clothes. You know, the, the bed linens. We didn't, to, we didn't see any bed linens. They were always in this. We never saw their decorated changing them for dinner. Oh, I think those couches turned into the beds. Okay, see, we never had to see that. We never did. No. You do see Dermot were only like laying down one to time, bed one time in a very but properly I, yeah. turned down white linen bed. I'm not bed, sure where he was. Full size pillow. Yeah. I th I assumed it was that couch turned into a bed. Yeah. Probably. You know, like in a hospital? Oh, they have those... mm -hmm. No. Okay. Yeah. No, I've been on that. Yeah. No, I... Yeah, I can see that. But it was a very nice bed, and... Yeah, uh, it was. It's the only bed we saw. Definitely was. They were trying to, I think, channel that Hogwarts train as much as they could for an Amtrak. But, but I'm like... very conscious of leg room, and there was a point where that Max Powers and Eleanor are sitting in the salon... And Max has his legs crossed out in front of him. I'm like, look at all that leg space yeah. between the two. There were a lot of different couches. lounge cars, it seemed. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that bothered me was that in the dining car, they were sitting on yes. chairs. I, I thought the same thing. Instead of, like... Benches. Benches oh. that are bolted to the train. Right. Oh. One turn, y'all <laughs> All those down. chairs are going everywhere. <laughs> it was... Uh, we only yeah, had bumpiness safe. when it served the plot, I hope you noticed. Of course. And I'm, gl I'm very glad we had that classic train jolts and people are thrown into each other's arms each moment. Other's oh, that was important yeah. to me. That was important that that happened, and it did. And Agnes yeah. saw it all. And Agnes yeah. took it all in. Agnes just... Because <laughs> she's the love marshal, side, too. side-eye through the window. Bless her heart. <laughs> That was important, and that was classic. And if you don't have a moment like that when your entire story's set on a train, then yeah, really, mm -hmm. the almost kiss, and then you both look like you are gonna throw up, is just a real <laughs> staple in a rom com. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we get off of this talking to strangers on the train track, not on the train track, but of the track of conversation. Yes. Got it. Um, recently, I was on a train. Uh, just going like a state and a half away. And the person next to me put in their headphones right as I turned to them and was like, so where are you headed? And they like, like their body got very rigid as they just like stared ahead and then out the window. Wow. And this like, I have my headphones in. She should know not to talk to me. <laughs> so I just whispered to them, I know you heard me. <laughs> and they, I really did. That's not at all creepy. I know, but come on. You just said there's someone in every Hallmark movie that feels like a serial killer, and I, I think that. that's you. That? <laughs> I think I fall too much to not eventually have my think... cute. <laughs> wow. The weirdest thing that ever happened to me on a train, I was training down to Kansas City, and I decided to binge the Pacific like the HBO miniseries about the Pacific uh, theater of World War II. What could go wrong? Um, super fun mm -hmm. on Thanksgiving Day. Um, and at one point, I like zoned out because the Pacific is pretty repetitive. Um, and in my mind, started thinking about like a conversation I had had that was funny. Mm -hmm. And then I started giggling uncontrollably. And then like... Because I was giggling and trying not to, like, it yep. compounded it. And oh, so yeah. then I was just, like, really laughing. <laughs> and then I looked down at my laptop and realized that, like, people were dying, people were dying gory deaths <laughs> on my laptop screen. And the person next to me was probably like, who is this monster? <laughs> you and I are both the serial killers on the train. <laughs> and I just think uh, somewhere out there, that guy's, like, so... I was next to this girl. Yeah. <laughs> she watched seven hours of war movies and just laughed her head off. And laughed like a 
serial killer. Uh, Yikes. Yeah. Which I, I'm fine with because earlier in the earlier in the ride he had tried to like sell me uh cell service. Oh yeah, we're like done he with that. worked like at a uh T Mobile kiosk. And yeah. And was like trying to tell oh. me about how great T Mobile was and I was like oh. goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh. gonna watch seven hours of Pacific now. Hmm. Rough. Well, then I think he deserved being a little bit unsettled by that. <laughs> yeah, he deserved <laughs> it. I go to, that's my judgment exactly. right now. Exactly. Um, it's interesting that Ellie is a script doctor mm-hmm. who does not want to write a script. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unbelievable. Like, how, how did you jump into that Yeah. backwards? Well, I mean, she, so she's a war correspondent. Mm-hmm. who left because it was all too much. So I can see how, if she were working in Hollywood, she actually doesn't have, like, Hollywood aspirations. She's fine just to, like, do the job. Make it a living. Yeah. And then yeah. maybe got in on a war movie? Like, how do you... Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, here's something... Okay. Have you seen Whiskey Tango Foxtrot? Yes. Right. (laughs) So the couple in this movie is basically Tina Fey and Martin Freeman 10 years later. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because... I kind of wish they were Tina Fey and Martin Freeman. I was thinking it the whole time. Wow. I was like, I'm pretending like this is those two. A lot more fun. Because the plot of that movie... Well, not the plot, but one thing that happens is that Tina Fey and Martin Freeman are war correspondents who... So fall in love like maybe like they're in a relationship and then eventually she's like I need a peaceful life and you're addicted to war and so mm-hmm. they break up which is the breakup that happened yeah. in Tom and Ellie's past yeah. and so I would just love a sequel to Whiskey Dango Foxtrot that's on a Christmas <laughs> where train where Tina Fey and Martin Freeman get on the Christmas train <laughs> that's hard though yeah and what bothers me is that she says she uses that classic expression that you've heard a million times to represent oh i want my staid little suburban life she says she wants Mm -hmm. the white picket fence Mm -hmm. the white picket fence but whiskey tango foxtrot i can't separate it from i read the book before i saw the film and she knew she was an adrenaline junkie too she had already sacrificed her relationship to to being in Afghanistan and knew she wanted to stay and eventually realized oh this is going to kill me mm-hmm. this and and eventually realized I need to solve this about myself I will not have relationships I will not have a normal life I won't even have unwrinkled clothes as long as I so badly want to be in the center of this action. And she was she'd be going back to New York City. Yeah. Too. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although not I think she Hollywood. grew up. I think she was from <laughs> my picket fence Hollywood. Right. <laughs> North Dakota. I feel like she was very from a very small town in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I want to say North Dakota, but but right, right. This they were the war correspondents flying everywhere. I had the most impractical thoughts about their career. Well, maybe I had the most practical thoughts about their careers. I'm like, yeah, how likely is it that two journalists could get the same assignment? I know. All over. They were able to travel for six years, and they both could get paid for doing the articles. I don't believe it. (laughs) We met on assignment. It's like, yeah, then the same one? Yeah, really. It's one thing then if you're like, oh, we were both in Afghanistan for five years. But like traveling around... But you did point out that it may have been long enough ago that journalism still had money to spend on such things. That's true. Since we couldn't figure (laughs) out why they had never had the tough conversations they were having on the train, like back when they broke up, why are they only now dealing with all this? Wait, why is it that you left? Wait, why didn't you guys talk about it then? Why are you only now... Go to therapy. Their breakup (laughs) sounded really strange. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you've been together for six years, but she says goodbye and leaves, and that's it? And you guys don't even talk about it again? Um, And you had rings in your pocket? Yeah. 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 
something's not right there. What happened to all that bravery that, you know, they have more correspondence? Yeah, I don't know about that bravery. Here's another other movie that I thought of during this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so they stop in Chicago mm-hmm. and get off the train for a couple hours. Sure do. Very sadly, not in the actual Union Station. Mm-hmm. Because if they had, it would have been a reprise of Dermot Mulroney's famous Union Station scene in My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, I never saw that. I was that. like, wouldn't it be funny oh, yeah. if he was like, I have a shot here before. <laughs> I <love this. laughs> With my good friend Julia Roberts. Yeah, that's true. But it was clearly not Union Station. No. In fact, every train station they stopped at was the same train station. Yeah. It kind of all looked like they were all so tidy. Very, very. Everybody in the stations were so pretty. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, what a train! What a! It all comes out on the Christmas train. Also, a lot of guys. If I just hadn't been puking my guts out, I would have fallen in love on those train trips. Well, yeah. um, I, I mean, that's what Max fell Powers love, wanted to suggest. The, yeah. the fake couple did fall in love. Mm-hmm. Or something. <laughs> Max Powers. Max Powers, I liked him a lot. He had so much luggage getting off that train. I... And it was all, like, yeah, titanium. <laughs> oh, they, well, he suitcases. had it when he got on, too. Remember when we met him in the station? He had the coat slung over his shoulders... Yeah, a guy wanted to, didn't want to be recognized. He had sunglasses on, but he had the coat slung over his shoulders and the scarf like every director <laughs> in the movies <laughs> from 30 years ago, whoever. Oh, yeah, he didn't want to be recognized. Yeah. Whoever wears a coat on their shoulders like that? Kermit the Frog in Muppets Take Manhattan when he's going undercover as a famous director. Well, there you go. In that, that restaurant. Is, how did that become a trope of... About representing directors on film. That's so funny. We we should research that. <laughs> yeah, let's write a paper. <laughs> oh, and you know what else? All these uh, things about the characters we learn very early on and then it never comes up again. Our war correspondent now writes comparisons of memory foam pillars. Dermot Mulrooney. Is, <laughs> is a distant... <laughs> Relative of Mark Twain, who he then quotes once, and then this never becomes relevant again. Guys, I don't remember that at all. He was a relative of Mark Twain. He said, I'm a distant relative of Mark Twain. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. In his his very strange scene with either the bartender or Tom, or no, um, John Kelly. Or John Kelly. Yeah. Uh And he's talking about, I haven't been on train in 10 years. This one's for my dad. Mark Twain. Mark Twain. (laughs) Yeah, it was weird. It was strange. Interesting. What a weird little tidbit. Oh, and evidently he sang a song for the film? Oh, yeah! That was an exciting moment. Yeah. That, and I (laughs) shazammed it. Yeah, there's a, I forget what moment it was in the movie. Probably a scene where they're all just, like, going to bed. Yeah, and you're expecting just instrumental and so the mm-hmm. fact there was a voice and it sounded kind of acoustic-y country singer-songwriter made me wonder if it was Brad Paisley who had written it for the movie yeah. or Kimberly Williams Paisley and Janet shazammed it guys I sure did what'd you find out it was a song called The Christmas Train performed by Dermot Mulroney and they only played like eight seconds of it which makes me think it probably is not that great but it is something that we will need to look up and look yeah, into. Yeah, maybe we can anyway, it put says, it in at the end of this podcast. It says it was released as a single, so I think, I mean, obviously it was just made for this movie. Hmm. Whose idea was that, though? Was he like, all right, guys, I wrote a song, I'll do it. your Hallmark movie if I can you have to let me sing. write and perform a song. Yeah. He wrote it, too? Oh, I don't know if he wrote it. And oh, the place the they put it in is very, like, Guys, we gotta put it in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's expecting this. It's not Ooh. given pride of place. No, it's not. Should we do Hall of Fame Hall of Shame? Yeah. yeah. We should. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what uh, my biggest problem. Can I do my shame first? Yeah, let's mm-hmm. start with shame. Hall of Shame. Recurring theme over and over. Mm-hmm. There's one great love in your life. I'm so bothered by that. 
Yeah. I'm so bothered by the idea um, uh, and that it's perpetuated over and over and that it was it was the theme in this film. He, he when our Tom, our hero, was trying to convince the engaged couple to stay together, when he's trying to stop the engaged guy from getting in the taxi, which we know now was a set-up scripted scene, mm-hmm. he, he says, Steve, she might be the only woman in the entire world who will ever make you happy, that you will ever love. Obviously, Max wanted him to think this and remember how important his great love was. And this came up a lot. This might be your one great love. It almost sounded like they were speaking in capital letters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This might be your one great love. I have a giant problem with that. And now, because of course now we're telling the widower, John Kelly, well, you'll never love like that again. (laughs) Yeah. You were married for almost 40 years. That was your one great love. Never mind yeah. that you, you tapped out. You still, yeah. you're still alive. You won't fall in love again. Yeah. Or uh, oh, and, and Max Powers telling his own love story. Well, you know about my three ex-wives, but my first wife was actually my great love. If mm-hmm. she hadn't died, I would have never looked at another woman. She was my one great love. That to me makes my hall of shame moment. That's good. Especially because yeah. if you've ever watched Sex and the City, you know that everybody gets two. <laughs> oh! Oh, gosh. Only two. There's a whole episode about it. Everybody gets two. Oh, no. Okay. What's your hall of shame? My hall of shame is one last assignment. Mm. The moment where they're going to go snowshoeing. Oh, yeah. oh. To, to save. Together. And to save, like, the calmest train of people who sh- don't know that they're in danger at right. all. <laughs> the least amount of danger. Right. And the L.A. snowshoes that make no sense to me. <laughs> and the fact that they turn to each other and say, one last assignment, one last assignment. And it's like, yeah. you were war correspondents. How are you equating this, like, chill-ass moment <laughs> with that? Yeah. So, that's my hall of shame. Yeah. So then my hall of shame comes right after that. When they go on the walk in the woods, um, make out, and then hear a horse <laughs> and come across this like The serial killer. Remote yeah, remote cabin in the woods. Um, and there's a guy who's like, Hey, what are you doing here? And then that and they cut from that to then the two of them and that guy Riding up to the train <laughs> in a horse-drawn carriage, everybody on the train gathering around the window and looking out like, they saved us, cut from that, to them getting to L.A. What happened? Nothing. They how did went they... to their rooms and thought about what they'd done. <laughs> like, how did that man in his horse-drawn carriage save the train? How did he help? He pulled the train all the way to L.A. On a ho- with like, that horse. Well, I, I think I the think whole they, thing was they were going to call. Yeah, right? he has they a landline from his house. Who can tell so the is dispatch it where the train is? They're just coming back to say, "Good news, we called." To yeah, but anyway, it's never explained. You're right. It's just and these, then, right. They just, just cut it. past these like huge amounts of maybe they brought more diesel? important action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows? But they still made it. To L.A. on Christmas. On that so train. They, yeah. Guys. Well, it might have been the day after Christmas. That wasn't... They, they stopped Not telling according us the to days. the little... Oh, did... Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to keep track of the days. There were only four days to keep track of, but it's still... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still they were track. not in danger. They did change yeah. outfits once a day. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was yeah. my hall of shame. Oh. Just the whole handling of the emergency. That the most. Yeah. yeah. All right, Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Well, mine was pretty easy. There was a time when our our voice actress, who shows up halfway through the trip, by the way, mm-hmm. the actress that Tom is going to, Lalia, Malia, Alia. Mm-hmm. Lalia is wearing a jewel green dress. Yes! And it has pockets. That was going to be mine! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The dress had pockets. I'm so excited. 
And, and they made such a point of her putting her hands in her pockets. Uh, I'm like, damn, that dress has pockets. That dress is great. But my first thought was, oh, she's missing a hand. Because I wasn't expecting the pocket. And then when she pulled it out, I was like, big reveal! <laughs> she has a hand and the dress has pockets. This oh, is great. Yeah. That was great. She had some nice dresses. I just got so excited. Honestly, yes. we saw her. She only came halfway through the trip, but she mm-hmm. still had four or five really solid dress choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dermot Moroni, on the other hand, only had a duffel bag for the whole four days. That's true. That's how I would do it. Yeah. I only do a carry-on, no matter how. I can be gone for two weeks. It's just a carry-on. Yeah. But the, even the amount of clothes we saw him in would not have fit in the bag that we saw him carry. And skis. Okay. He had skis. And skis. <laughs> he was going to do some skiing in L.A. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um, so I was debating between pocket dress and <laughs> Joan Cusack's dancing. So I'm just going to go straight up. <laughs> Joan Cusack's dancing. Hall of Fame. Because it was so joyful to me. Oh, it was good. Joan Cusack. I don't, I, can't, I don't know if I have one. Oh, there were things you loved about this. You liked this movie. I did. I feel I didn't take good enough notes because I think I drank too much. What about the bartender drinks? The bartender drinks are mistletoe fizz. Mistletoe fizz. Hot chocolate, one candy cane or two. The Grinch. I did find it funny that one point where Higgins is uh, looking at his phone, checking the weather, you know, old habits die hard. And, uh, And Tom says something like, I did notice there was extra diesel. Now, that is a really <laughs> awkward foreshadowing of what's coming up. Hmm. Also, why was Tom checking out the diesel supplies? He's a war correspondent. He notices yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, notice things. <laughs> I hate Batman. <laughs> um, oh, I'm gonna, I'll give Hall of Fame to um, Dermot Moroni's leather accessories. Mm-hmm. So he had, even though the duffel bag was not sufficient for a four-day trip, mm-hmm. it was beautiful. Yeah. And then he also had a leather notebook that was really beautiful. Although I also take issue with that because he's carrying it at one point and Ellie says, so you still got that old notebook, huh? And he's like, I carry it with me everywhere. But then when he was writing in it, he was writing on about the fourth page. Yeah. So he carries, he's been carrying it for a decade, but he's never written it. Mm. Could it be it's one of those ones where you can take out... The paper journal inside is just a leather carrier cover? Yeah. I mean, it could be. hey Well, I I thought it was overall a movie as satisfying as you can get for Hallmark. Oh. No? Hard pass for me. Because the ending was so dissatisfying. But what? But did you want more? What would you have... (sighs) I wanted it to not have been a movie. That was scripted by the movie director. It was a really weird twist. That was very unsatisfying to me. And even he so loved Eleanor, he wanted to make this happen for her. Like it was all his whole point was to make her gaslights her for four days. Yeah, yeah, I'm not into that. And it's very manipulative. And I don't like that he just keeps saying like you're you're you'd be you're like my daughter, but I don't really actually understand their relationship. The warmth, yeah. Because there is still, like, a power element where he's a yeah. boss. Yeah. Um, and she's never saying, you're like a father to me. Right. It's like, he's just, I've cast you as a daughter. Yeah. And she can't really say anything because she's on the payroll. Or I don't know that I see her actually loving him as much as he's just keeps saying he loves her. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels like he's saying, I know what's good for you. And Just like every man in her life, I'm what? still gonna call you Ellie, even though you would rather be <laughs> called Eleanor now. That yeah, yeah, everyone telling her who she's gonna be. Yeah, well, you're a script doctor, but you'd be happier writing your own scripts. Well, no, I never said that. And then at one point, you have a confidence issue. I was like, yeah, I wonder why, bro. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let her live her life. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Great point. So wow. I was unsatisfied. Maybe Eleanor doesn't need any of these men in her life. Maybe she needs to get out from under old Max Powers. Leave the guy who won't call her by the name she prefers. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we've arrived. Chris, thanks so much. 
for hanging Thank out you. with Thank us. Chris. And it's a lot of it's really put me in the Christmas spirit. Oh. That's the thing. Yes. It's pretty it's good at Christmas doing that. Christmas train magic. <laughs> I expect Christmas a miracle train. just about around every corner now. <laughs> yeah. Hooray. I can't Hooray. Keep us posted. Okay. okay. We'll, we'll do. do. We'll do. Um, and for those listening, uh, follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Leave us a review on iTunes. We like getting to know who you are. Yeah. Reach out to us personally by Googling our home addresses. <laughs> nope! <laughs> Stay away! <laughs> we'll see you. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, and now... Um, oh, Dylan, Dylan Dermot Mulroney's song from the Christmas movie. <laughs> What's his name? Dermot Mulroney. Dermot... That is a tongue twister Not for me. Dylan McDermott. Thank you. Dermot... What? <laughs> what is it? Dermot Mulroney. Dermot Mul... I can't. <laughs> what? <laughs>